You're listening to Parents You've Got This, the expert guide to parenthood. The complete guide to pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. This podcast is brought to you by Parents You've Got This and proudly supported by Mastella. Mastella is a natural origin skincare for babies and children, recommended by healthcare professionals. Mastella by Parents Side since 1950. In today's episode, we talk to our women's and pelvic health physio, Annette Beecham, all about birth recovery. So much of our time is spent learning about birth education, but really, in reality, birth recovery is a big part of our birth process. Annette Beecham joins us today, and we are so lucky to have her with us. She is a women's and pelvic health physio, and she has decades of experience helping both Christy and I and so many other women. She is passionate about spreading information about this really important topic that so many of us feel like we can't talk about. So thank you, Annie, very much for being with us today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, we know that when we give birth to our baby, whether it be vaginally or via cesarean, that, you know, there is obviously changes that happen to our bodies. Can you talk us through what happens in hospital after a vaginal delivery and how you would suggest that we recover from a vaginal birth? Okay, so pretty much you would do for a vaginal birth what you do for any other injury or trauma. So rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. So if your baby's lying down, you have the attitude that so am I. Okay, ice, whether it's vaginal or tummy, ice is great as a pain distractor. Uh, it also reduces inflammation a little. There's a whole lot of research out there that says it doesn't, but it feels good, so use it. So put ice on your perineum. Uh, the nurses where you are at will tell you how they do it at their hospital. It's different in every place. Just only have it on for 10 to 20 minutes, then have it off. Make sure that your perineum is dry in between, then it's safe. Compression is about um, compressing the perineum or the caesarean scar, but in the case of the perineum, you can use a double pad. So by the thickest, ugliest maternity pads you can get, wear two of them and have one as your padding and the other one as your absorption. Likewise with um, caesarean scars, you can put a um, pad on the inside of your pants, whether they're compression pants or ordinary pants, and it gives you more compression against that wound. It helps it heal. Elevation's tricky. So elevation would really mean having your pelvis above your heart. You need to drain for the first while. So you're going to be using this on and off. So if you feel physically uncomfortable and you're more comfortable having your pelvis a bit higher, do that. Just put a couple of pillows, one or two pillows under your pelvis in any position, front, back or side. Move out of it when you don't feel comfortable anymore. They're your big ones. Um, make sure you've had a bowel motion by about day three. And if you haven't had a bowel motion by day three, start thinking about it on day two at night and ask for help so that you will have a bowel motion on day three. Um, I would get the compression pants on as soon as I could physically get them on. You're probably going to get them on after a vaginal birth sooner than after a caesarean birth. But they're the initial things that I would go for in hospital. The other big thing is pain relief. There are no gold medals for pain. So if you are physically uncomfortable, mildly, moderately, strongly, you need to tell your staff so that they can help you out with your pain. 
you can't look after you or your baby if you're in pain. That's so true. Um, I think in today's society, we worry way too much about what we look like. Um, and I think so many mums often probably come to their specialist asking, how do I get my stomach back into the right position? And they worry about abdominal separation. Can you talk to us a little bit about this? Yeah, so you've got two things there that you've raised. So that one is just general shape and the other one is the abdominal separation. General shape. Well, you are a creature of hormones and so you are having hormones that make you accrue fat in the middle. So your tummy, your breasts, your upper arms, your back, um, so that you've got food supply so that you can make breast milk. So you can't fight the hormones and win. So people who lose weight very quickly, they're rare. Most of us would hold on to our weight and we need to hold on to our weight so that we can look after our own health and our baby's health. I wouldn't worry about what I look like. I would worry about how well do I feel? How fit do I feel? And I would get there slowly, not in a hurry. If you get there in a hurry, you're more likely to injure yourself. We'll probably talk more about that one at another time. With the abdominal separation, your body once again will heal. So you've had a baby in your tummy, it's been pushing against the outer wall of your tummy that maintains that separation. So it is perfectly normal to have a separation and 100% of women will have a separation at birth. Probably most people will be getting back towards normal by about six weeks, but it really depends on your inheritance factors, your connective tissue, how big you were, how big your baby was. So just let that one happen. I'm way more worried about abdominal separation if you've got another problem as well. So if you've got back pain or prolapse, then I'm gonna worry more about abdominal separation. Really your take home message about abdominal separation is make sure you squeeze your low belly and your pelvic floor together Every time you pick up your baby, put down your baby and everything else, every time you cough, sneeze, get in and out of bed, just support that low tummy. And that's probably the initial advice that you need for abdominal separation. If it's concerning to you, please go see a physio that specialises in this area. Annie, let's talk about um, our pelvic floor. What happens to our pelvic floor in birth and when is it the right time to resume doing pelvic floor exercises post baby? Or is it like you say that you're conscious of it when you're lifting your baby? How does that all work? Sure thing. Okay, so when you're actually at the moment of giving birth, those last 20 minutes to 40 minutes, your pelvic floor is going to almost triple in length. So your pelvic floor is everything you're sitting on that isn't bones and under the influence of hormones it gets soft, it gets long. Almost as soon as you've given birth it springs back to almost its original length. It's not going to be hard, it's going to still be very soft and it'll probably take another 6 to 12 weeks to get much much firmer. Um, the hormones change immediately that you give birth and your body almost turns your brain off to use your pelvic floor really well for that first three days. Once again, we're mentioning poop. So until you've had that first bowel action. So I would say, leave your pelvic floor alone. Don't do your pelvic floor exercises until you've had that first bowel motion. When you do go back to pelvic floor exercises, think about function. Function means I use it when I need to. So every time I pick up and put down the baby, every time I pick up and put down the pram, the things, um, myself in and out of bed, that sort of stuff. 
okay so um, with your pelvic floor once you've had your bowel motion just start slow and low so only do a few at a time and you're after quality not quantity so you might choose breastfeeding or feeding you might choose after you've had a wee then you're just going to do a couple and then each week you might add one in and so can you run us through audibly how to do a pelvic floor exercise correctly sure thing have a wiggle on your seat okay so you're sitting on your bones and if you go backwards and forwards you know where your pubic bone and your tailbone are so everything in there between those bones is pelvic floor muscle so if you put your hands together you've got pelvic floor muscles in you and they do create a small bowl so to make a pelvic floor contraction you're trying to make a smaller bowl so you're bringing the muscle fibers together and up okay so consciously you're thinking about my sit bones I'm drawing the inside edge of my sit bones together I'm bringing all three tubes up to my brain or if you're not an anatomy person if you much prefer a um, imagery to concentrate on think of an elevator think of the Willy Wonka elevator so get the doors closing then lift the floors of the elevator you want to be able to feel something you want to either feel the lift or the lower and in the beginning your sensation might not be fantastic and you might only feel one direction you do want to feel something if you can't feel something have someone have a look at you before you leave hospital what happens to our bladders and our bowels when we give birth Annie and what should we be mindful of you know you've talked about the first poo being you know within three days of delivering your baby what should we be mindful of and what's normal post-birth okay so we're talking just in hospital no I guess just generally after that as three well days. yeah so, so ongoing with bladders uh, and with your bladder all right bowel. okay so in hospital my thing is I would like you to have a wee within three to four hours of giving birth or having a catheter removed and if you haven't had a wee and you don't have an inkling that you want to have a wee or the complete opposite you have an urge but you can't wee you need to tell a staff member a nurse a doctor whoever so that they can come and work out whether your bladder is functioning correctly or not that's important the bowel motion you absolutely want to have done by the end of day three um, your pelvic floor sort of turns off a bit for those first few days and women who've had a vaginal birth often are very stressed about having their first bowel motion so you do want it soft and as easy as possible almost every hospital has pictures of women for how they should sit when they have a bowel action so it's basically up tall leaning forward and relaxing mouth tummy pelvic floor before they actually have their bowel motion so they're big for in hospital things that physios that uh, do this sort of work regularly are interested in uh, what are the changes to the normal function of your bladder and bowel so with your bladder are you leaking when you shouldn't be is it leakage for stress incontinence so when you're coughing or sneezing or laughing or lifting up or putting down or moving in some way if you can't wee or um, you're having insensible urine loss now that usually pretty much resolves within four or five days but it can persist um, insensible urine loss means that you've got no awareness that you're going to lose it it just happens 
uh, something that commonly happens but it's a creeper it creeps up on you is urinary urgency incontinence where you suddenly realize i've got a complete rush and urge to have a wee and i've got one second to get there and that requires behavioural management way more than strength, but that's something you need to go to talk to a physio about. Um, that's pretty much the wee scenarios. Uh, if it hurts to have a wee, you should talk to someone. With bowels, um, probably the things people don't want to hear. So losing wind or poo by accident, that's called flatal incontinence or faecal incontinence, that, that needs urgent help and you need to get on to pelvic floor exercises and a good assessment pretty quickly. Hemorrhoids are pretty common. They resolve pretty much if you um, are having adequate fluids and fibres and getting into that daily habit, aiming for the soft, easy poop. Um, fissures are something people don't hear about. So fissures are like a break in the skin that can go down to the muscle level. Their um, main feature is bright blood and they can have pain. Uh, it's something we want resolved quickly. It's not something that you would sit around waiting to see if it resolves by itself. They're probably the main things, yeah. And prolapse are something that we don't discuss enough, which we should with 50% of women having some kind of prolapse um, mm. after birth. Yeah. Can you talk about the different types and also is there any way that we can protect ourselves from having a prolapse? Sure thing. So um, pelvic prolapse is um, medical Latin for descent of the organs down through the vagina. And the organs refer to what sits adjacent to the vagina. So the front wall's the bladder, the back wall's the bowel, the roof is the uterus and the cervix is the bottom of the uterus. So any of those three things can come down. There's one other one too, but it's not common. Um, you would feel a bubble or a lump or a bulge in your vagina. You might feel heaviness or dragging and you might think it's in your vagina, in your bottom or on your backbone, on your sitting bone, your sacrum bone. They're all the features of it. Um, what do you do for it? Well, I would say at home, you're thinking about load management. So if you're aware of the symptoms, then you're asking people to help you with the heavy stuff around the house. So if your partner is at home, you would get them to do the picking up and putting down of everything. Certainly for the first six weeks, I want them in charge of the pram so that you're just walking. But not everyone has the luxury of having someone home with them for six weeks. Um, you want to be thinking that you're uh, not doing unnecessary lifting, not unnecessary housework. So sweeping, mopping, vacuuming are actually quite heavy on the pelvic floor. And I would say you're allowed to hold a broom or a vacuum cleaner for 10 seconds. So there's enough time for cleaning when they go to university. Just <laughs> goodies, <laughs> So just don't do the cleaning. It's unnecessary. Your house is clean and tidy. Um, what else can you do at home? You need to keep your bowels regular because the um, constipated bowel motion is a weight on your pelvic floor. So you have to think of that as load management as well. So you're aiming for that daily soft bowel motion. Um, I would keep my walking to short bursts. So it's really important that you do go walking for a whole range of reasons. But if you walk for too long, that's going to be another load on your pelvic floor. And once you're tired, you can't turn your pelvic floor muscles on to help you out with the prolapse. 
So uh, I would start off with 10 minute lots of walking and three lots of 10 minutes if you have prolapse is far better than one lot of 30. And so is this something that women manage, live with forever, or do you get surgery? How do you deal with if you think you've got a prolapse? All right, so in the beginning, you wanna deal with this conservatively for as much as possible. So initially it's about the load management. Then it's about seeing someone to advise you on the pelvic floor exercises. And then you may or may not be offered a vaginal device called a pessary. So I always think of this as the knee brace for the fanny, which I know is a bit cheeky, but <laughs> uh, it helps just hold things up. Um, surgery is a long way down the list. So no surgeon wants to offer you surgery unless you're feeling pretty terrible because they're never going to make you perfect. They're going to make you better than what you are. So they don't want to treat mild prolapse with surgery. They want to treat severe prolapse with surgery. Any surgery on soft tissue is said to last for 10 to 15 years. So you want to manage this well for as long as possible before you go down the surgical route. Yeah, and things can get a little bit better, can't they? As they, they do, do they do. So we've discussed this at length. So probably within the first 12 months, women improve incredibly just through natural history. Um, you stop lifting your babies normally around five or six years of age. It improves again then just because you're not lifting your babies so much. Um, general strength helps. So having strong legs, butt, belly all helps because it's sharing the load of that downward movement. So, yep, there's lots to do. Annie, what about some of the other <clears throat> um, complaints that people might have after they've had their baby in terms of their body? So, sure um, you know, holding a baby is something that, we've never done before for such a long period and it can lead to other aches and pains around the body. Can you talk to us about some of the common things that new mothers come to see you about and what you can do to alleviate those? Sure thing. Okay, so if you've had pelvic girdle pain during pregnancy and it's not gone by two weeks postnatal, I want you to get back in touch with the physio that you were seeing during pregnancy. You need that managed and quickly so that it resolves and you need a um, management strategy for subsequent pregnancies. So you need to be strong going into those subsequent pregnancies. So that, that's a common one. Hand stuff is a real issue. So um, I call it mummy thumb and mummy hand. So mummy thumb is pain along here mm. and mummy hand is pain and tingling along here. And they're both related to the end of pregnancy extra fluid that you are carrying. And then the repeated movement of lifting up and putting down a baby and holding a baby. Um, so if you are holding your baby, you want to think that you're using your body well to do it. So you want to have your chest fairly upright and back. You want to be using the force of your forearm to hold your baby rather than your hand. And you want to think my thumb is neutral. So my thumb is running along the line of my forearm or my middle finger is running along my forearm, depending on whether you've got mama thumb or mama hand. Um, Compression helps with that. Self-massage helps with that. Brace and tapes help with that. Um, braces are hard for mummies to deal with because they um, are so busy all day long, they get in the way. 
but there's probably a good eight hours of the day when you don't have a baby in your hands that you could be wearing that brace for which will help it respond. So birth can leave you with scars, I guess both mentally and physically, but let's just talk about the physical ones at the moment. Um, if you have a scar for a caesarean or a vaginal birth due to a tearing, how do you manage these? Sure, so um, let's talk tummies first. They're easier to explain. So with tummies, they're going to cut through many layers and when they cut through, it is um, a part of surgery that they're going to be cutting through fine nerves and fine vessels and they have to regrow and they have to regrow through the scar tissue. So immediately after the surgery, women say they feel quite blunt or dead under the scar line and sometimes above the scar line, but definitely under the scar line. So you want to leave about six weeks for recovery after the um, wound has been created so that's your baby is six weeks old then you're going to have a look at your cesarean line and see is there any um, wet pinkness about it if there is you can't start yet you've got to wait until the skin is completely healed and you've got to wait for those stitches to all fall out then once a day in the shower I want you to spend less than 30 seconds on the scar line so if you've got a horizontal scar line you're going to be rubbing small circles one way, small circles the other way, up and down, and above, on, below. I've done that the wrong way around, but you get it. So across the So scar. about 30 seconds, right? And you don't have to use a particular cream. Water's fine, but less than 30 seconds. And super gentle. So it is possible to rub too hard and break down a wound. So stay super gentle. So that was tummies. Now with pelvic floors, this is a really good thing to do. So you can imagine that as vaginal tissue. So you're so, holding your hand in a yes, circle. Yeah. So you're going to um, hold the vaginal tissue that is repairing. So it'll be sutured in some way. And once again, at about the six week mark, you're going to put your fingers in either side of that vaginal tissue and feel are there any obvious stitches if there are obvious stitches you're leaving it alone if there's no obvious stitches and it feels like it's come back together and please have a look with a mirror you're allowed to and then you're going to very gently roll it between your finger and your thumb and move your fingers along either side of the scar line and once again way less than 30 seconds once a day in the shower and you might keep that up for six to eight weeks and then not need to do it again. If either scar feels physically uncomfortable, like moderately uncomfortable, go and see a physio so they can do lots of things for it to help the scar heal faster and reduce the pain. What about return to exercise, Annie? So you touched on it earlier with walking and that you know, short bursts of 10 minutes are better than three short bursts of 10 minutes rather than a longer burst of 30 minutes. What would your advice be for when someone feels like they're ready to return to exercise? How do they know that they are ready to return? And what are some types of exercise that are good for them to do? Okay. Um, so in the beginning, I just want them to do daily walking and probably keep that up for at least six weeks and not really set their aims higher than that for six weeks somewhere between three months and six months, if you are an exerciser by nature, you're going to be itching to get back. I just want you to start low, go slow. 
So if you are a runner, please, 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 will you go and see a pelvic physio and have an assessment so that they can tell you the state of your pelvic floor and what you might need to do before you get back to running. Now, it might be something as simple as hopping drills or um, short bursts of running, but you want a graduated program so that you're returning to running very gradually. Cycling is really going to depend on the state of your pelvic floor, so can you actually sit on the saddle? Once again, in the beginning, I would start safely on a stationary bike um, where you're not having to deal with traffic and discomfort. Keep it low. Um, the exercise that I love is stuff where you've got supervision and people giving you feedback. So something like um, Pilates or yoga or specific mum and bub exercise classes where you've got an informed person rather than a confident, excited person giving you correct feedback for your technique and giving you guidelines on what you should do and what you should avoid with your movements. If you're walking into a class and there's 50 people in it, you're not going to get the feedback. If you're walking into a class where there's four to eight people, you're probably going to get good feedback. Because it's not about being mentally strong and toughing it out, is it? So you can actually do damage to your pelvic floor if you exercise too early. Yeah. So um, I have had women who've been fantastic for a while, done something too much, and then they've come in and they've got a new set of symptoms that they haven't had previously that's what I want to avoid. So in that first six months after you've had a baby, you're low in estrogen. Estrogen is your plumper upper hormone. So you're low so that you can breastfeed. Your brain doesn't know that you want to go for a run or do some exercise, but it's your plumper upper hormone. It's making all your muscles strong, all your tissues large. Oh, that sounds wrong. All your tissues robust. And without it, you're more likely to be injured. So go carefully. And probably the partners listening to this podcast are wanting to know the biggest question is, when can you return to sex? <laughs> um, well, when you're not tired. Um, <laughs> all right. So, um, okay. So I would say when you want to is okay to do so, but don't feel that you have to do absolutely everything. I mean, you know, sex is a big thing. It's not just penetrative sex. So I, I would start off with kissing and cuddling really. Um, so you would want to know that your vaginal wound is completely healed and that it feels good to touch. One rule of thumb that I use is to mummy, to put two fingers inside the vagina and sweep firmly. So if I thought of the vagina as a clock, I'd be sweeping from two o'clock to 10 o'clock quite firmly. And if I can do that without any discomfort, I might be able to entertain the idea of penetrative sex. With um, caesareans, there's a, a little bit of a rude surprise there. So people don't expect to have uh, vaginal pain with caesarean, but frequently they do. So once again, your brain doesn't know that you've had a caesarean, it just knows that you've had a baby. And that uh, reduction in estrogen means that everything is also shrinking in size, particularly the uterus, but the vagina can shrink as well. And so at about three months to six months, someone who's had a caesarean birth is probably the tightest they've ever been in their life. And if they're trying to have sex, then it's physically uncomfortable to do because they just don't have the vaginal capacity. 
On top of that, the low estrogen means that we don't have much lubrication naturally. So get yourself a nice, good, slippery quality lubricant to use. Um, and yeah, have a chat to your partner about that. But I would say, once again, start low, go slow. <laughs> and feel like you can just pull up and say, no, we've had enough today. <laughs> thank you so much, Annie, for joining us on the podcast today. And a big thank you to Mistella for sponsoring this episode. The one thing that you are going to be doing a lot of when you have children is bathing them. So it is important to choose products that are natural and dermatologist and paediatrician tested. For everyday bathing needs for normal skin, try Mastella's Gentle Cleansing Gel and Hydra Baby Body Lotion. Next week on the podcast, we're chatting with our midwife and positive birth expert, Narelle Siros, all about the early days with a newborn. You're listening to the Expert Guide to Parenthood and never forget parents, you've got this. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, a discussion with your doctor or healthcare professional. Parents You've Got This take no responsibility for any medical decisions made by individuals based on the information provided in this podcast. Join a Parents You've Got This masterclass today to be prepared, excited and educated for pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. Visit www.parentsyou'vegotthis.com.au and sign up for a masterclass today.